Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your hosts, Mike Fagan and Tim Ben. We're opinion, fact, informative, and your alert system. Now let's get ready to rumble. Good day once again, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on high-speed news coverage without gas. This Monday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. I hope everybody had a safe and sane weekend. Now, a 1972 study known as the Marshmallow Test was developed to gauge children's ability to delay gratification of their desires. The kids were each offered a single marshmallow to enjoy, but were told that if they could refrain from eating it for 10 minutes, they'd be given a second one. About a third of the children were able to hold out for the larger reward. Another third gobbled it up within 30 seconds. We might struggle to show self-control when offered something we desire, even if we know it would benefit us more in the future to wait. Yet Peter urged us to add to our faith many important virtues, including self-control. Having laid hold of faith in Jesus, Peter encouraged his readers and us to continue to grow in goodness knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, affection, and love in increasing measure as evidence of that faith. While these virtues don't earn us God's favor nor secure our place in heaven, they demonstrate to ourselves, as well as to all those whom we interact, our need to exercise self-control as God provides the wisdom and strength to do so. And best of all, he's given us everything that we need to live a godly life, one that pleases him through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know the drill, folks. Father God, please grow in us the qualities that reflect Jesus so that we might reveal your goodness to the world around us. In your son's Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, revealing the world around us. We, we try to do that in Right Spokane Perspective and hope God's going to get give us some wisdom out of it, you know, looking at the world around us. But sometimes it just seems, it seems kind of crazy. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a high-speed chase without gas. Yeah. <laughs> like we named the show today, right? No kidding, and, man. And, and, of course, it's Monday, so city council is getting together to try to make life easier and cheaper for us. Uh, no, no, never mind. That's not what they do. No, that's not what they do. And I'll tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. If there is one thing that you would need to go to the city council meeting for, it would definitely be tonight, 6 p.m. Get there at 530 so that you can sign up to speak against an ordinance that is going to be doing a lot of hurt and damage to our landlords and property owners here locally. We are talking about ordinance number C36330. And just from the white paper, let me give you just a little bit of background. This proposed ordinance is a reflection of some of the key issues and needs identified by stakeholders, universal background and credit checks, proactive code enforcement, requiring business licenses for landlords, residential rental property damage mitigation funds, legal services and relocation funds, and anti-retaliation protections. And boy, I tell so that, you what, that's man. A huge, that's a huge thing. So, it is. So let's, let's say... Um, you know, there, and I know there's a lot of landlords out there that either live in a building where there's multiple apartments. I know landlords that just have a duplex or a triplex and they just rent out one side of it. You know, so all of those things that they're going to have to go through, they're going to have to raise rents. Yes, I mean, they are. Th- this is going to be an increased cost to tenants and tenants are, oh, that evil landlord just keeps making a fortune on me. What are you talking about? 
if you're inside the city limits and you have to get a business license to operate a, I don't know if you got a couple spare bedrooms that you rent out to college kids, right? right? You're trying to keep it cheap for them just because ah, I went through college. I got a couple extra rooms. I'll try to sure. help out a couple college kids. Well, guess what? There's you're, people doing that, but yeah. now you're going to get a business license. And Mike, what does that mean? Does that mean that you're just like, oh, I just got to pay like 30 bucks to the city and it's fine. And I just tell them how much money I make or whatever, right? No, it's like 120 bucks. And then, <laughs> on but that's top just to that, the city. That's just to the city. Yeah, that's can. just yeah. Because you can't true. have a business license just for the city, right? Right. Because you got to file with the like the Department of Revenue at the that state level. That is correct. Yes. Oh, and and don't you have to get like a federal tax ID number to do that? Yes, you will have to do that. And, and then, of course, if you're just like sharing the cost of living with someone else, because you're just basically you're renting them a couple rooms, but you're all splitting the bills. Well, I guess you're splitting a higher bill now, a much higher bill, because yeah. you're going to have to pay for all the. Now, if you're a business, you have to have business insurance too. Yeah, you're going to have to have business insurance. So, so you're, and insur- on top you're insuring, of the, business the, you're insuring the property and you're paying for this business license, right. but now you're going to have to insure the liability of the business too. So I wonder what that's going to cost. Well, on top of the business license, if you are a landlord or property owner there and you are you know, renting out those particular businesses, leasing them out, things to that effect, along the lines of your business license. If you have so many units over, you know, and they categorize the numbers, you know, from one to three, it's this much more from, you know, four to six, it's this much more, uh, six to 10, it's this much more, but they're going to end up charging you additional based on the number of units that you basically have to rent. Then you've got to register those units. You've got to open those units up to city inspections, Code enforcement is welcome to come on in and do their inspections. It it just opens a whole different ball of wax for the landlords. It sure does. So more landlords are going to sell. So people that can't afford to buy are going to have less options. That's right. It's also, you know, those college students or those elderly individuals, you know, again, you know, that are renting out a bedroom or a loft or something to that effect. They aren't going to have those options anymore. Right. Well, and and it's going to, yeah, it's going to force small landlords to come up with more money. So they're going to have to charge more for the rent. But like you said, with those other folks that are just renting a couple rooms to a few college kids to help them out and make it cheap. Well, now you have to actually start a business and you can't just pay like, well, that's 350 bucks a month. You know what I mean? Here's my utility bill for this place. It's kind of big. I'm here all by myself. It only costs me, uh, you know, this much to live if I just moved out into a small place. So the utility bill is 600 bucks a month. We're basically splitting that. The garbage bill, I don't need a full garbage can. I'm, that's right. You know, I'm a single retired male or whatever. There's people out there with those situations and they're helping someone have a cheaper, a lesser cost opportunity by renting them a couple rooms. Now they're going to be like, I don't want to deal with any of that that stuff i'm just gonna sell the place or i'm just not gonna i'll just cover the cost myself and close those doors and not get those rooms the council's gonna want our landlords to do a freddie and fanny mac when it comes to universal background and credit checks (laughs) they're gonna severely restrict the background in the credit checks man so anybody can get in Okay, mm-hmm, right. just like Fannie and Freddie, and you know what happened to Fannie and Freddie in two thousand and eight, right? You bet. Well, I mean, that, it, there's going to be a residential yeah, rental that, that, property that background damage. Check, but that background check waiver yeah. situation means that landlords that want to rent to families and or certain demographics, right? I mean, you got the fifty five plus crowd. I think in some of the uh, different facilities, you've got people that would prefers to you know rent to single mothers and things like that if you have someone that has a criminal record that targets certain people and you would like to make sure that your other residents aren't going to become targeted 
So you're going to rent to a sex offender and put him in a unit where you have families? Yeah. I mean, there's, Probably, a, there's yeah. a lot of complications here that could occur that I think if the city mandates that you cannot do back or you you cannot do background checks, right? That's what it is. Yeah. So they they mandate that you cannot do background checks or you have to you're going to be severely limited in the time periods that you can do them. Right. So if it's the city's ordinance that stops someone from getting a background check and they rent to someone that's not supposed to live near a school or around children because they're right. sexual or something like that. And someone ends up doing that anyhow because of the city ordinance. I think the city would be liable. So us, the taxpayers, are going to be liable for problems that occur with this possibly as well, not just the landlords. Right. Because, I mean, I, well, I, yeah, I, I mean, was a landlord. Common sense, sure. Something, yeah, it's you not bet. my fault. The city put this mandate on me, right? Right. A couple of the other scary things, your residential rent or rental property damage mitigation fund, the legal services and relocation fund. Do you think that they're going to have the people renting the facility paying into this? No. No. They'll have the property well, owner paying into these mitigation. Well, funds the, and relocation the, funds. The, the people will be paying into it. So if you're a good tenant and when you leave, you leave the place clean, you clean the carpets, you know, you trim the shrubs, right. you, you rake the yard. When you leave, you don't leave yeah, a bunch it's of all garbage. About, it's all if about minimizing tenant, the amount of damage deposit you have to leave behind. Right. So if you're a good tenant and, you know, you live in a place for a number of years, basically you're going to help subsidize the bad tenants out there that trash the place, don't pay all of the rent, and also want two thousand three thousand dollars to be relocated somewhere else when their contract ends right right well isn't there some language that they've been trying to push to on the landlord tenants that basically you cannot tell someone that you're not going to re-rent a facility to them because you want to renovate or whatever it is you have to do redo of the contract whether you want to or not isn't there there was language they were trying to force a few years back on that, right? Yeah, probably. And I, I don't know if it actually made it into this particular ordinance yet or not. But what I can tell you is that on the city council agenda, they definitely make a and hold a provision there above that line item to s substitute a revised ordinance. Okay, so we're not even looking at the current ordinance in right. the current agenda yeah. because of that particular note. And it is my guess that the city council is going to whip out the substitute ordinance at the last minute. At the last minute. Well, and this will be, I mean, this is basically creating another government bureaucracy to oversee private contracts between property owners and renters. And so, you know, the, the sky's the limit with this. I mean, the, yeah. this, this is leading us down. Obviously, it's the rental registry, the business license. It could be where the government comes in and says, well, we're going to do price controls, which means you don't get the good faucet. You don't get the good shower head anymore because all the landlords are going to be forced to make everything whatever, you know, price control city government put wants to put on it. So, yeah, we're not going to do the snow removal. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do the painting that we normally do. So we all get to live in subsidized, you know, garbage dumps if you're a renter because the landlords could in the future be greatly restricted by this new bureaucracy in ways that we've seen other cities do it. And it was not good. Yeah, that is for sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a minute or so before we head off into the break. 
what has happened over on the west side with police pursuits actually happened over here on the east side. Well, that's where part of the title came from, wasn't it? High-speed pursuit without gas. That's right. Here is a little bit of that story comes courtesy of your local TV station. Now, a passenger of a Ford F-150 called 911 to report that they were being chased down State Route 27. That's Pines Road, by the way, by the Washington State Patrol. And around 2.30 a.m. on January 8th, a WSP trooper noticed a truck swerving in and out of the lanes near 3rd and State Route 27. The trooper activated their lights when they suspected it was a DUI driver. When 28-year-old Amanda didn't pull over, a pursuit started. According to the TV station's partners, the local paper, Amanda continued down the highway for almost 10 miles, reaching speeds of more than 100 miles per hour while still swerving in and out of the lanes. Amanda and two other passengers in the truck believed the trooper was not allowed to pursue them after the 2021 state legislature limited high-speed police pursuits. This is not true, as this pursuit was authorized by a WSP supervisor. <laughs> so so, so their mistake... Now the state legislature had better get right. in there and work on that police pursuit statute that they ended up passing. Well, well they absolutely do, and I, and I think that... Part of the, this misconception by criminals is that, you know, the law limits pursuit because they have to have certain criminal aspects to give them probable cause to pull people over. Right. They can't just have reasonable suspicion. It's probable cause. Well, when you're dealing with municipal governments who have a lot more population to deal with, they're a lot more hesitant where they don't want to get into legal matters and just waste their time arresting people that these laws are just going to, you know, they're just going to walk anyway because they're just, oh, you didn't have a, you know, the threshold to actually pull my client over, you know, when they're in court. So they just waste their time sure. making the arrest. But these people were dealing with the Washington State Patrol. And folks, I have to tell you, if you're going to get into a legal situation, you don't want it to be the Washington State Patrol. No. No, because just, I mean, they, they got their stuff in order where he got permission from a supervisor. He had probable cause and he decided that that was it. So did those people go to jail or do you know? I would imagine they ended up going to jail. <laughs> yeah. So, Crazy stuff going on. So anyway, the, amount of, the amount of stupid in government, we got to take a break. And uh, I actually we got more to come back with too. That has to do with the gas. Yeah, you betcha. We'll be back in about a minute or so. To our Spokane area veterans and their families, if you haven't checked out the Hilliard Veterans of Foreign Wars Post 1474, located at Diamond and Regal Street in Spokane, you gotta be there or be square. The Hilliard VFW is there to assist you and yours with all your VA questions. Give them a call at 487-3784. Weekly bingo, cards, bowling, dart tournaments, and meal specials are just a few more things that the Hilliard VFW offers. Stop on by, give them a call, 487-3784. And welcome back from the break, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on high-speed news coverage without gas this Monday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. Well, as we went off into the break, that high-speed pursuit, apparently they had gas because there was not a report that it was an electric vehicle. <laughs> no so, doubt about so they it. haven't gone electric yet. Now, it was a 10-mile chase. Yes, it was. Um, 100 miles an hour, too. In and an out hour. of the vehicle traffic. Yeah. Well, and, and we've heard of... And this was a suspected DUI? Oh, my and, word. And we've heard of multi-state chases, right? Oh, yeah. Where they've been trailing somebody. So... If they do it without gas, we're not going to hear about the multi-state chases anymore because they're going to have to stop like every 300 miles to charge <laughs> up. So 
There's and you know those that. tire strips that they stick out in the middle of the road. Oh, Since yeah. EV tires are a lot harder than regular, you know, gas They're cars, gonna, they might have to come up with better strips. Yeah, they might have to come up with some pretty serious spikes. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think they'll just be able to wait till the battery runs out. <laughs> you know, there you go. Yeah. So, anyways, but going going on without gas and uh, moving us more electric. Uh, yeah, this was about a big surprise, yeah. but it wasn't it's really. Like they throw the kitchen at it now. Yeah, you bet. Here's your headline: U.S. Safety Agency to consider ban on gas stoves amid health fears. Now, the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission will move to regulate gas stoves as new research links them to childhood asthma. Okay. A federal agency says ban on gas stoves is on the table amid rising concerns about harmful indoor air pollutants emitted by the appliances. The U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission plans to take action to address the pollution, which can cause health and respiratory problems. This is a hidden hazard, Richard Trumka Jr., an agency commissioner, said in an interview. Any option is on the table. Products that can't be made safe can be banned. Now, natural gas stoves, which are used in about 40% of the homes in the United States, emit air pollutants such as nitrogen dioxide, carbon monoxide, and fine particulate matter at levels that the EPA and the World Health Organization have said are unsafe and linked to respiratory illnesses, cardiovascular problems, cancer, and other health conditions, according to reports. Now, man, I'm telling you, This particular statement really hits me in the heart. There is about 50 years of health studies showing that gas stoves are bad for our health, and the strongest evidence is on children and children's asthma. Okay? Mm. Now, why did it take 50 years? Really? Wouldn't you have known something like this after 20? Well, I would have thought so, and then you would have saved everybody 30 years of heartache if that was actually the case. I don't think it's the case. Well, well, you you would think so, but see, there's... There's a number of things that you, you have to think about here, and there's the application. So if your home has, in your kitchen, you have a venting hood yeah. over your stove, and I believe that in Which most, most homes do. Most homes do have the venting hood over their, their cooking station, and if it's used properly, then it will be vented. Well, then, of course, they can say, oh, well, you're still venting gas and pollutants out of the atmosphere. Well, the problem is, is when you turn on an electric stove, most power in the United States is produced through many different things. I mean, you can say, well, it's produced by nuclear power. There was no emittance. Well, you build a nuclear plant, right? That takes diesel, lots of it. (laughs) So, you know, you're going to be using gas and there's going to be emissions no matter what kind of energy you use. So you turn on an electric stove. The other thing that you have is you're cooking food with direct electric heat. Now with gas heat, this could affect the restaurant industry because a lot of the restaurant industry uses gas space, gas appliances. And so, you know, it could really alter the way that we interact with food. It could be a lot more expensive if, you know, they overregulate this thing and it deals with commercial food as well, who of course they all have hoods and venting and all this other stuff. Right, right. You know, they that could really affect restaurants. My understanding is the reason why people like the natural gas heat a lot better is because it cooks more evenly because you can do you can heat up the pan faster and you can keep it in even temperature whereas with electric it's 
not as even of heat. It takes longer to heat up the pan. And then, of course, then you get it too hot. I listened to uh, an interview with a chef that was talking about how one of the tricks about restaurant food is that natural gas appliances better prepares the food. Whereas with electric appliances, more often you overcook the food, burn it, or undercook it in the center, right? Sure. So the other thing that you have is emissions from the food itself when you're cooking it with electric heat is my understanding that there's carcinogens if you burn the food, which I guess a lot of people are bad cooks and burn food with electric appliances. <laughs> yes. Maybe they would do better if it was not electric, right? According to the chef I was listening to. But basically there's carcinogens that are cancer causing in your food if you burn it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think that we have to take a wider look at it and we have to know that obviously this is, the whole issue around climate change, because that I, I know that in that article, if you'd have kept on going further, somewhere in there, it talks about climate change, not just children's health, but it's like every other issue. It's for the kids, Mike. Yes, absolutely, man. And it's just another way that the government and bureaucrats are demonizing natural gas. Right. Period. Well, it, they're looking to, no, they're it, looking to eradicate it from the earth forever. Except for it's natural gas, which means it's in the earth already it's natural right well and 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 now of course we actually explore it and we you know extract it but it's something that's venting out of the ground yeah right and in some cases it it burns naturally right and and so this whole thing is kind of interesting because they're they're not just saying gas stoves now they're starting to look at targeting you know furnaces and hot water tanks, right? Right. And I was told 20 years ago that I needed to switch over to a natural gas hot water tank because it was better for the environment and it was a lot more efficient. Yeah. And so... That was the battle cry, you know, 20 years ago. That was the battle cry. You know, and, and the battle cry to so such a high extent, you know what the Democrats did, Mike, with some re- Republican support? They subsidized programs to switch people over to, to natural, natural gas. gas. Yes, they did. So people did that and got away from electric heat and That's why I water. think that this whole thing is just hokey when when it comes to natural gas, man. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's kind of interesting. So I, I think that if we transition to other forms of energy, it needs to be a natural process. And the government getting in there, man, they're just going to increase the price for everyone. And uh, just like they're saying, they're not going to allow new homes to have natural gas. Yeah. So you're going to be all electric, Mike, which means... Uh, you're going to be paying out the you-know-what when it comes to your you know, energy costs. Well, it means they're going to have to fire up, guess what? Some more natural gas electric plants. Because <laughs> they, they don't want to fire up coal, coal plants. No. And they don't have electricity. I mean, where are, they, where are we going to charge all these stupid cars that they want us to buy? <laughs> and crazy, the car makers are going there. That's where they're, all the advertisements now are for everybody's electric cars. Yep, so you bet. we got to plug them in somewhere. Well, I'll tell you something, folks. It wasn't even a week that has gone by here when I reported to you what was going to be short as far as groceries are concerned here in 2023. Now you got the government that is just all over regulating some of those items that are going to go short. And here's a good example. Here's your headline. Arizona adopts new egg regulations amidst high egg prices.
prices. That's not excellent at all. <laughs> so the- Now, any egg sold in Arizona now has to meet expanded requirements, which some say might have an impact on the price people will pay at the... What do you mean, which some say? It will have an impact uh, on no, the price if, people if, pay. If the government gets into regulating something, it's definitely going to increase the Big cost. Big time. Well, Come a lot on, of people man. have asked me, like, why is the eggs so expensive? Why, do, why is it the eggs and not, you know, other items? Well, eggs don't come from china for one uh for the most part they don't the avian buy, flu did if they, yeah yeah right if they do come from china i wouldn't eat those eggs right 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 it, like everybody maybe an egg substance comes from china i don't know but eggs don't actually and so you've got all of this cost to be a farmer you've got bill gates in china buying up farmland you know the cost of diesel and government regulating they already regulate farmers and so the cost of all of that is the reason why eggs have gone up more than a lot of other ones so what else do you got there for all right now experts think it's a variety of factors contributing to the rise of the prices in eggs across the country including inflation and the avian flu but note arizona could have an additional factor at play as well a new regulation on eggs sold in the state. Well, I remember now, the avian flu a few months ago. There right. was, what, millions of chickens that got had to be destroyed because right. of the flu. Yeah, you bet. They came from China. <laughs> For months, experts have noted how the avian flu has impacted egg prices across the United States. Millions of birds have been lost to the disease across the country, according to the CDC. In Arizona, only two small outbreaks have been reported by the CDC. Okay? Now... Last year, the Arizona Governor Regulatory Review Council approved new regulations on eggs sold in Arizona. Now, any eggs sold in Arizona will have to have about double the space for hens who produce the eggs. The new regulations... I thought it was Oregon that was going to regulate. Now we're talking Arizona, too? Yeah, Arizona's doing it, too. In total, hens now are to have 144 inches, one square foot of space in their cage to produce eggs that will be sold in Arizona grocery stores. That's up from 67 inches of space that was previously allowed. It basically cuts the number of hens producers could have in their space in half. Now, come January of 2023, the regulations will expand to cage-free standards, which Rosa said are the same one square foot of space per hen in the barn, but without a cage itself. So cage-free can work to some extent, but at the commercial level, now, if you raise chickens, for folks that have had chickens, if you kind of free range them, and basically at this point in time, if they have an open space, they're not in a cage, it's pretty much free range, right? If they they can access air from the outdoors they're not in a warehouse it's it's you know it's free range so that can be done at the small scale and you can produce some eggs at your house and but if you're talking about large-scale commercial if everybody had to go to basically what you were talking would be the the brown eggs that you buy at the farm fresh market that were locally produced they're like three times the cost of the other eggs right yeah so commercially you know you eat a lot of eggs at restaurants and other places. They're not buying eggs that are farm fresh from the guy down the road that's charging two to three times what you'd pay for the commercial eggs at the store. They're buying the commercial eggs. Right. right. So your costs would, would skyrocket if you said, yeah, everybody, they all have to be free range or cage free. You start looking at cage free now in a commercial. Anybody that knows chickens, it's kind of like the policies we talk about with children. We were talking about it the other day. 
that whole mask thing with children. We all knew anybody that ever worked with children at all or had children for more than five seconds knows that thing was going to be a snot rag stuck to their face oh, all day. big time, right? Man. And so anyone that's had chickens, we know that these kind of policies are really stupid because you know about henpecked, right? You know, that, that term, the term, oh, yeah, yeah, the term, and the reason why that's a term that is used, and it's actually a horrendous thing to see it happen. They will kill the chickens will, these hens, they will, it's like, it's, it's worse than like the argument between the ladies at the church. <laughs> Cause I mean, that can get ugly, but we're talking about chickens that gang up until they absolutely kill another chicken another chicken so yeah. you're talking about a commercial farm you think about you know thousands of chickens in these big warehouses with big windows that open for airflow or whatever and there's you know employees that have to try to monitor them you're not going to be able to figure out the problems or the the relationship issues between thousands of chickens now if you're a guy that's doing it and you've only got a dozen chickens you can say okay well i've got to isolate this one chicken before they kill it but you know what's going to happen mike what they're going to kill it anyway. That's <laughs> wow. what henpecked is. And yeah, I, I think that people are writing these regulations should shut their mouth until they know what they're talking yeah. about. Until, they, until they're in the business and actually engage with the business to figure out how it can be operated. I, I don't think it's a good idea because what you have to do is you have to drug the chickens or give them all these different things. And it's, yeah, it's no longer. Yeah, we, we just need inexpensive eggs. Well, I'll tell you something, man. I am sure that the listeners out there are grateful that they've got you and i keeping an eye on that bouncing ball all of that being said ladies and or gentlemen broken egg yeah mike and tim are out of here today we'll be back at you in your face again tomorrow bye-bye